Hi, dear listener. Zach here. I'm proud of the work we did on Call of Discovery and Keyforge Public Radio, and last year I took my love of podcasts full-time with my company, Rooster High Productions. If you know someone with a business who wants to broadcast their expertise through podcasts and derived social media marketing, send them my way to Zach at RoosterHigh.com. Thank you so much. Welcome to Call of Discovery, the podcast where we invite you along on a journey into the Crucible for a weekly or fortnightly celebration of all things Keyforge, its community, and the excitement of Discovery. I am somehow perplexingly your host, Zach Armstrong, and today I am joined by fellow Keyforge player and Archon of Atlanta team member, Logan Garice. Logan, welcome back. Hey, Zach. Glad to be here again. Yeah, so glad to have you back. You all will remember Logan from our episode on teams in Keyforge, where we got to take a deep dive into what is a team in Keyforge? Why do they exist? And we got to really look at the Archons of Atlanta, the accomplishments of its members, what they're looking at to do content-wise, and all that sort of thing. It was really a lovely overview. But now we get to actually talk about a Keyforge deck that Logan has brought with him. So listeners, you'll be able to find the link in the show notes below if you want to follow along. And Logan, what is the name of this deck and how did you come into possession of this particular deck? Uh, so this is Kaya, the painter of Longship's painter in quotation marks. Hmm. I, I wonder how she earned the quotation marks on the word painter there. Yeah, maybe not a very excellent painter. Yeah, so so the history behind this deck, so... Um, I guess near the end of like Coda, um, we were kind of seeing what what Coda decks could really do, right? We saw the dominance of a few archetypes, the biggest one being the Rush decks, the decks that just made a ton of Amber, they did a lot of stealing, um, and and those dominated for a while. And then when AOA came out, uh, we were kind of hoping to see a meta shift. Um, We were kind of hoping to see AOA bring along something that could challenge those decks. Um, Mm. Unfortunately, I think it's not a shocker to anybody. We didn't really see that out of AOA. Um, mm-hmm. this is true <laughs> <laughs> right and and even to this day people underestimate AOA which uh, is a point of contention for myself but that's an entirely different podcast um, <laughs> we'll have you on again to defend Age of Ascension's <laughs> honor <laughs> yeah um, so so anyway we, we'd, we'd still play uh, sealed AOA every week here in Atlanta um, and one night I, I finished up round one and I was kind of just hanging out waiting for the next round to start and I go to watch the final game, and it's Trevor, my teammate, uh, versus Nick, uh, Nick Newell, uh, a local who play, we play often with. Um, so I start watching, and um, Nick's got two grump buggies in play. And I'm like, man, no wonder this game's taking so long. This is incredible, right? Um, he's just stalling out the game with these two buggies. And, and then during Trevor's turn, um, he's kind of sitting there thinking for a little bit. Um, and then he just goes, uh, you know, I have no idea if this is the right play kind of shrugs and just puts his own grump buggy into play. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, so, uh, for, for the uninitiated, what's, what's that text on grump buggy? Yeah. So, so grump buggy, um, reads, uh, your opponent's keys cost plus one Amber for each friendly creature with power five or more. And, and your keys cost plus one Amber for each enemy creature with power five or higher. So essentially mm. grump buggy says, 
if you have big creatures in play, your opponent pays more for their keys. If your opponent has big creatures in play, you pay more for your keys. It's that's it's a yeah, unilateral right. effect, right? Affects yeah. both players. Um, so and it was that was a third grump buggy in the story that hit the table. That was the third grump buggy. So Ooh. keys cost plus three for each creature with power five or higher. Are they still playing that game? I just have to ask the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so de- definitely the game lasted uh, a long time. We were all just laughing too hard. We loved it. Um, so yeah, it was just an incredible game. And at the end of the night, I asked Nick for his deck list um, just because I thought the deck looked awesome. And I looked through it and I'm like, man, I love this deck. I think it's really cool. I really want it. <laughs> so <laughs> so, I, so I, I, I went to Nick and I said, hey, Nick, like name your price. Like I'll, here's, my, here's my collection. What will you trade me for this deck? I really want this thing. Um, and so he looked through my stuff and he's like, you know, I think I'm going to hold on to it for now. I think he knew he, he had a deck that was pretty cool. And um, so he's, so he held on to it uh, much to my disappointment. Um, and then every time I, I would see Nick, I would, I would ask him, I would be that irritating guy. I'd ask him, Hey Nick, you thought about that trade yet? And he'd look through my stuff again. And he said, you know, I kind of want to hold on to it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. This went on to the point where I'm like, all right, Nick's, Nick's going to hold on to the deck. He loves this thing. I'm going to have to look for a different one that's similar to it. And then we were we were playing Keyforge one day. He's like, "Hey, Logan, you still wanna you still wanna trade for that uh, double buggy deck?" And I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> I, I definitely still wanna trade for that double buggy deck." <laughs> um, he's like, y- y- "You know what? Um, here's the thing. I've been thinking about it, and this kind of deck is just not my playstyle. I I don't like how slow it plays. It's just not what I enjoy. So you can have it." And I, I was I was blown away. I'm like, right, "Nick, are you serious? Like, please take something." just make it make it a trade so i don't i don't feel so bad about this um i I ended up giving him a deck with it with it's kind of a collector piece it it had a key cheat in every house i don't Mm. think it was necessarily a fair trade i think it was very gracious on nick's part to give me this deck that he knew i was really interested in um but yeah so essentially it was out of the kindness of nick's heart that i wound up with with kai in my possession wow that is uh that is fun what a what a good keyforge friend especially with (laughs) these decks being so unique, you really can just find a deck, whether you open it or somebody else does that just has that one special combination that really speaks to you. So what, what was it about Kaya that jumped out to you and just impressed you so much? It, it's the double buggies. It's, it's scrum buggy. Um, you know, seeing, seeing two buggies really excited me because I think the card attacks the code of meta that I talked about earlier in, in such a specific way. Basically, it changes the game for them, right? There, a lot of the best Coda decks were playing these cards that just generate Ember, right? We've seen them before, the Rush decks, mm-hmm. um, and and they could care less, couldn't could not care less about the board. Um, this this changes the game entirely. It says, hey, you're fighting whether you like it or not. Otherwise, you're paying twenty plus for your keys, and it does. This deck consistently makes its opponent pay twenty twenty six Amber for his keys if if left untouched. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's that that I think is is the beauty of the deck and and I saw that in the game that uh that Trevor and Nick were playing with each other. Wow. That's great. So this deck has a pretty good number of creatures at power 5 or higher. Do you know off the top of your head how many that is? Um I I would not know off the top of my head, but the the very interesting part of this deck is it's got enough ways to augment power that all of its creatures can be power 5 or greater. It's got the 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 Grove Keeper in here, and then it's got the Shard of Strength. So um, you can 
you can turn all of your creatures into power five or greater. You can potentially have 19 creatures with power five or greater. Wow, with, that's very true. With <laughs> that, obviously, that's that's the dream scenario, right? Right. That's, <laughs> that's what I dream about every night. But <laughs> essentially, with two buggies in play, that's making them pay 38 for their keys extra, right? So wow, you, the Which potential is o- over over double uh, one you know normal game's worth of amber being 18. That's right. just that's completely crazy. They're they're basically playing two games of key forge when you're just trying to play one right wow that's yeah. great but that's obviously great. that's never happened typically you see when you're in control of the game you you make them forge for about 24 26 and uh for for the people who might not know those aoa cards it's uh grovekeeper is a untamed creature that says uh at the end of your turn give each neighboring creature a plus one power counter which of course uh doesn't end up being a target typically typically people don't value that card too highly but in this deck uh that means two more creatures that you know might be raising key cost which is pretty great and then the uh, shard of strength the artifact that says action give a friendly creature a plus one power counter for each friendly shard uh, which are a set of a set of artifacts there's a shard of pain in dis in this deck so once those are both out that is um that is you can give a creature plus two power for every use of shard of strength which uh, i was able to take this deck for a few spins on the crucible online to get to know it a little bit for this and i played it against my practice partner asher and i delightfully had a six or seven power dusk witch out against him which is the 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 one powered elusive untamed creature that says your creatures interplay ready so having a six power dusk witch um really helped really helped uh, accelerate me towards that win there yeah that's incredible wow i've, I've never been able to do that before i, I must have played probably three dozen games with this deck it was a, it was certainly just a, a friendly match so unfortunately i don't think we can expect six power dusk witches in every match <laughs> every match with this we've heard about what the grump buggies do raising that key cost with plenty of those creatures that are at five power or more or can get there without too much trouble uh, what role does each house play in this deck brobnar obviously does have those big bodies and those grump buggies and what else does the brobnar do and what are the other two houses the dis and untamed what do they do yeah, so um, really the beauty of this deck is that each house helps you rotate between your six power creatures. So every house is playing these these five plus power creatures. Um, Brobnar obviously has the big giants. They, they come down and they're big uh, naturally. Dis, mm-hmm. Dis is playing Exhumes. So you bring in your giants back when they die. When your opponent frustratingly throws everything they have to kill your giants, you just Exhume mm-hmm. them right back, right? Um <laughs> It's it's also just got Schuler and Scullion, which are just like the another big big creatures that just come naturally. And then the Untamed, um, it's it's got Nox and the Grove Keeper, the aforementioned Grove Keeper with the Rust and Hours, uh, four power creatures that turn into five power creatures pretty easily. So really the the idea is you rotate between houses, just keeping pressure on their keys, clearing your hand, and eventually you're gonna take control of the board and you'll start to fight them. Uh Brobnar is is a particularly good fighting house because of the combinations of Grokes and Drummernaut. Grok is a creature that a five power creature that says fight. Uh, your opponent loses one amber, so when you start to fight with your Grokes, they start losing their amber that they've been stockpiling, right? So you can really pressure their amber in multiple ways. Uh, Drummernaut returns your Grokes back to your hand, so when your Grokes start to take damage, you just refresh them. Uh, yeah. one, one of my favorite lines of play is uh, Grok with into the fray. So you have a Grok out. 
and you play your Into the Fray, which says, uh, I believe it's a friendly Brodnar creature you control, gains fight ready this creature. So mm-hmm. say your opponent's got some elusive creatures out, right? You can fight them for free, right? Just make them lose Amber, clear their elusive, and then you actually start to fight, right? I've had turns where I've fought six times with a Grok, made them lose six Amber. Wow. It, it's Yeah, it, it gets pretty ridiculous. Like, you, wow. you love to see Shadow Cells when you have a Grok with an Into the Fray in the hand. And it's because oh, you can just fight, yes. fight, 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 right? Um, oh, yeah, yes, to... especially especially with uh, that key cost going up so high, and then you have all this efficient amber loss. That's uh, you're moving the key cost up and their amber down. That's a, that's a pretty good play in a game all about amber, I think. <laughs> right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, one card that I think provides some pretty interesting decisions is uh, what do you say that World Tree provides some pretty interesting decisions to make when you're going into Untamed? Absolutely, uh, World Tree is is really ma- makes you ask what am i doing next turn what does my next turn look like i've mm-hmm. definitely had situations where i world tree the wrong card and i just add a chain to myself um you know you're really you're really thinking ahead you know what what creature do i want to play next turn world tree is great in the fact that you just get to play more high power creatures just to continue to pressure their amber but world tree is really flexible in the fact that you can just get a choda back if you're ready to go for the win or just anything you can get a shuler back you can get really anything um yeah mm-hmm. though it's, so it's a really it's a really skill testing card i think yeah certainly and that's the uh, untamed artifact that says action return a creature from your discard pile to the top of your deck and of course in keyforge we refill our hand at the end of the turn so drawing that card up at the end of your turn you have to really know what you want to do next turn otherwise if you if you call a house that you didn't put on top of your deck with that creature uh yeah you've you've slowed yourself down you've cost yourself a card so definitely definitely take some some looking forward to to use that card i think Mm -hmm. what kind of matchups uh give this deck trouble what are what are the matchups and the cards you really have to watch out for when you sit down at the table get out this deck and what's what's the cards that make you sweat a bit yeah so uh, this deck really really pressured me to learn how to identify cards within uh, a list when playing archon Mm. Um, the the cards that make you change the way you play the most are are things that deal with creatures um in mass the cards we like to call board wipes um things like the spirits way destroy all creatures with power three or greater uh gateway to disc destroy all creatures you gain three chains um things like that really make you say how much amber do i want to let you get before i let you forge if your opponent's at 23 amber and you're making their keys cost 24 amber, it might be in your best interest to lose a power five creature to make their keys cost 22 amber before they get an mm. opportunity to wipe your board and make their keys cost six again. Of right? course. Yeah, it's, it's it's something that it took me a while to learn because I, I, it was, it was when I first learned to play, or was learning to play the deck, it was really exciting to make their keys cost 30, right? It, it was, it was really, mm-hmm. <laughs> it felt really good to get them to cost 30. They would never forge until they forged three keys in a row because they right. would just wipe your board and, and put their key cost back to six, right? So you really got to play this balancing act of when do I want to let you forge uh, versus when do I want to stop you from forging? Um, yeah, mm-hmm. Obviously, if they've got no real ways to deal with your board and mass, you can just go wild and continue to play creatures, but it's, but it's, a balancing act if they do. So Logan, why would we want our opponent to forge a key at 23 Amber instead of pushing that key cost up and going to 
24 or 25 key cost and keeping them off of that key. Yeah. So um, if, if you continue to keep them off the key and they continue to have that pool of amber and you know that eventually at some point they're going to be able to destroy all your creatures and return their key cost to six, they're going to continue to have that pool of amber, right? So they're going to forage at, at six and then they're going to forage at six and then they're going to forage at six and then you're going to lose, right? If you can make them forage at, at, at 22 or, or whatever high number, you basically make them lose all their amber. They lose their amber pool, right? So anything in excess of six is just wasted amber, essentially. Um, so if they do have the opportunity to destroy all your creatures, they're going to be at a low amber pool. And you're going to have the opportunity mm. to rebuild and pressure them again. Hmm. No, that is a that is a very good point. A very good point. Making sure they they spend all of it, and like you said, learning how to to read a list and look for those cards that are going to cause those kind of situations that you need to that you need to play around. We uh, that's certainly the value of getting to know one deck pretty well. Like you said, you have several dozen plays in with this deck, and you really get to learn uh, how you need to play based on what you see across the table from you. As, as we know in Keyforge, so many things are matchup dependent. You could have a great deck, but then you have one particular matchup that it just struggles so hard in. Yeah, definitely. And that's, that's something we've talked a lot about in our, uh, our group, uh, the Archons of Atlanta. Um, we, we see these types of decks as, as really powerful because they force your opponent to play a game that they're just not prepared to play. They didn't, they didn't come ready to say that, creatures with power five or greater mattered uh they they came to say i'm making 18 amber and i'm gonna forge three keys Mm -hmm. you're basically saying no we're not playing that game anymore we're playing we're playing the game that the board matters now and 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 this is the game that i play better than you play um so that that puts them on their heels and and it puts you in a really good position to to take the game Mm -hmm. yeah certainly certainly and you talked about uh this deck this deck, when you play it against Call of the Archons, a lot of those Call of the Archons decks were not prepared to uh, answer the Grump Buggy question. The keys costing so much amber based on how many five power creatures. There are a lot of great Call of the Archons decks just would not do well against this sort of a deck. And uh, have you been able to play this deck much against uh, Worlds Collide? And how has it uh, matched up against Worlds Collide decks? Yeah, so I, it's, it's pretty pretty clear to most that worlds collide plays the board a lot better than coda does and absolutely that's what i've seen when playing this deck against worlds collide uh if 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 they come prepared to fight they can probably do it better than you can uh, with Mm. with their with saurian lists um just being better fighters uh particularly difficult card to answer well is is the card spartasaur um that being if if a creature that you control dies if you control spartasaur it destroys all nine dinosaur creatures. Uh, obviously, this deck has no dinosaurs in it, so it's just a one-sided board wipe. <laughs> um, Axiom of Grisk, also often a one-sided board wipe, so this deck struggles against against those types. Uh, that being said, it still puts up a really good fight. It still fights uh, fights well. Uh, the creatures fight really well, so it, it, it's definitely not dead in the water against Worlds Collide. But if, if you were to, trying to beat this deck in particular, I would recommend you playing a Saurian list uh, against it. Uh, well, well, good to know if anybody knows they're going up against Logan and he happens to have the Painter of Longships bring dinos, which is a, typically a, a good call anyways, bringing right. those dinos. But <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, Logan will just bring all the nature's calls and we'll call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of uh, this deck's 
matchups. Logan, have you had the chance to take this to any competitive play or tournaments? And what were those experiences like? How did this deck do there? Yeah, so I, I had the opportunity to play this in a side event, uh, a team solo Archon event at the Richmond Vault Tour. Um, I got to play alongside my teammates, Trevor and Alex, um, and the deck did really well. Um, it, it ended up going 4-0 and within our team, so um, we ended up going 4-0 and as well, so I was really excited about that. Apart from that, I really haven't had the opportunity to play it um, in any big ticket events like a Vault Tour or anything. Um, if I had the opportunity to, at this point, I'm not sure that I would. Uh, I, I absolutely love the deck, and if people continue to play Rush decks, I'm bringing this deck every time, but of I'm not course. sure that's where the meta is right now. So that's something that we would have to sit down and discuss. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Oh, that's great that you all were able to do that team event and, and take this and go 4-0. That's, uh, that's impressive. I mean, it's all Vault Tour level players coming out, dedicating their, their time to that. Uh, <laughs> good showing for the Archons of Atlanta, referring you know to your, your team as we got to talk about last episode. And so, Logan, we know, we know in Keyforge that all decks are unique, and they're all perfect little snowflakes, but if you could change a card, remove a card, swap any cards from this deck, if, if you would commit the unholy act of deck building in Keyforge, what would you do to this deck? <laughs> yeah, um, Nokia is definitely a beautiful snowflake. I wouldn't change her, but if I could. <laughs> <laughs> if I could, um, I would want a Ganger Chieftain. Um, it, would, it would just be so perfect in this deck. Um, to go alongside the drummer knot, because once you take the board with with Ganger Chieftain and and drummer knot, it's you just start making a ridiculous amount of amber, and you can pressure them so hard. Um, Ganger Chieftain being a five power creature, uh, it has a playability a fight with a neighboring creature. Um, and for those unfamiliar with uh, the drummer knot Ganger Chieftain combo, you can essentially make uh, six amber a turn with the two of them. Quite, quite an effective combo. Yeah, yeah, definitely is. So if, if I had the opportunity to change anything, I would either take out an Into the Fray, um, which are often just discards, or mm. uh, Sound the Horns. Um, and, and Sound the Horns is an excellent card. Absolutely a great card in typical Brabant decks. The issue with Sound the Horn in this deck is, is if you uh, discard your Grump Buggies when you play Sound the Horn, you're in trouble because this deck is entirely focused around the grump buggies. That's where yes. the amber control comes from. So without without if you lose one grump buggy, you can usually do pretty well. If you unfortunately uh, discard both of your grump buggies, you're in big trouble. Yes, I think uh, I think when two grump buggies d- get discarded off of a sound of the horns, it's called a traffic accident. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you definitely totaled your deck after that. <laughs> Oh, oh yes, yeah. Certainly don't want to total the deck, and yes, that would be a, a very, a very bad call there. A very bad call. So, speaking of losing the grump buggies, how does this deck do against artifact control, specifically artifact destruction like Poltergeist, or uh, of course the meta-dominating EMP blast? <laughs> yeah. Um, funny thing is, actually, in the in the Richmond side event, I did play against a deck that played EMP blast, um, mm. and and he got both of the buggies. Um, I committed them both to the board, figuring if he had it, he had it, and he did have it. Um, I, I did end up winning that one. Um, usually how artifact control goes is they, they'll take out one of your buggies, and you're still putting pressure on their key count, usually enough to slow them down. If it's mm-hmm. very well-timed artifact control, it can it can hurt really bad. But that goes back to letting your opponent forge at, at certain key costs, right? If you know they have an EMP blast coming, 
you might just want to let them forage at 16. Mm. Uh, let them have their key. You know, it could be a lot worse for you, right? Um, yeah. That that's that's kind of where a part of the strategy comes in. Um, artifact control hurts. It doesn't kill the deck, is what I'll say. Well, that's great, especially with two of them. If you lose one, you still have that ability to to put that pressure on. Yeah, always always nice to have redundancy in a in a key forge deck. A couple a couple copies of a card really help with that consistency to to see it faster or to get a replacement if one gets one gets blown up. Definitely, unfortunately, yeah. So, Logan, I'm seeing in the deck here uh, a card with that special rarity mark, the Bronze Key Imp. Two-power imp, elusive, from House Dis that says players cannot forge their first key. Now, these usually terrify me because I, I think I might accidentally play it before I forge my, forge my first key, and then it's just, you know, good game, shake hands, uh, you know, <laughs> go burn my entire collection. But uh, what, what kind of role does Bronze Key Imp play in this deck? It's not one I would personally expect to do a lot of work. Yeah, sometimes it really does. Uh, I'm, I was very surprised, too. Usually I see the, the Key Imp says, like, you know, sometimes they come in and do something, but most of the time they're just a two-power creature. Um, but Bronze Key Imp is actually really good in this deck. Um, something, something this deck can kind of struggle with is finding the buggies right away. Um, mm. if, if you can't establish the buggies and they start to rush you, um, you, you, you get, you get in trouble, right? You, if they forge their first key without paying extra for it, it feels really bad. So the bronze key imp sometimes comes down and says, Hey, I'm going to stall you for a turn or maybe two turns until I find my buggies. And then you're, you're paying nine for your keys or you're paying 12 for your keys. Right? So sometimes the bronze key imp is, it gives you that extension of a couple turns that you need to establish either your board or the grump buggies themselves um otherwise bronze camp is great to sacrifice the scullion <laughs> it, it, it plays that role just fine certainly certainly yeah that that is a great that's a great synergy that you only really see in keyforge i don't you know if i was building a deck around grump buggies if i was truly constructing a deck i don't know that i would think of bronze key imp as a card that could help out my cause but of course because the, all these cards are locked in Bronski imp you know you've actually found a role that it plays as you're trying to dig for those grump buggies to pump those key costs up it's a it's a kind of creature based uh way to stop them from forging that is that is lovely yeah right. that is lovely did it uh it, did it take a few plays to to see that combination that bronze key imp stalling out to find the buggies yeah definitely like a, like i said earlier when i first see a bronze camp it's something that kind of look over any of the key imps just kind of gloss over it um and and maybe hope that it works out for me but um in this deck it it worked out pretty well surprisingly mm-hmm. mm, yeah certainly in the the spirit of keyforge being being locked into those cards and saying okay this card might not look great but it's in my deck <laughs> right so how can it how can it serve me <laughs> mm-hmm. that's great that's great well, Logan, thank you so much for bringing Kaya, the the painter of long ships, onto the podcast. We really uh, appreciate being able to dive into this unique and memorable deck you've bought. I think we can uh, leave the mystery of why is she painting these long ships and why is it in why is it uh, in quotes? Uh, maybe a, a trip to somewhere where there are long ships will will shed some light on Kaya's history here. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll take her one day. That'd be great. Well, Logan, thank you so much for bringing Kaya along for the ride here. We've really appreciated being able to dive into this very special Grump Buggy deck with you and all the things that you've learned about Keyforge and this deck in particular through her. Uh, what are the places people can find you online? 
Yeah, so uh, thank you. I was glad to be here and talk about Kaya. My teammates are getting sick of me talking about this deck, so I'm glad to be able to broadcast it to everybody. <laughs> uh, where, where you can find us, uh, if you want to chat with any of the team, um, the best way to do that would be to join the uh, Keyforge AT Aliens Discord group. Uh, and, and again, we'll have those in the show notes. Is that right, Zach? Yes, that's right. Well, we'll make sure that that invite link is below. Thank you so much, Logan of the Archons of Atlanta for joining us today. And if you are enjoying Call of Discovery and are willing and able to support us monetarily, our Patreon is linked below where you can put your own weird and wonderful decks in the spotlight and have a say in our future through the Patreon-only Discord. Also, just let us know what you'd like to see more or less of in future shows. You can email us any thoughts, suggestions, or feedback at discoverkeyforge at gmail.com. Please do subscribe and leave a review on your regular podcast app, and you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All of those are at Call of Discovery. And most importantly, if you think a friend would enjoy this podcast, please help them to discover it. Have you answered the Call of Discovery? Discovery.